Ive Ignasi uh, uh, joining me in this podcast. We're co-hosting this. And uh, we wanted to uh, touch on the topic around corporate development. And Ignasi, you're a specialist in this area. Uh, but before we start talking about the topic, uh, maybe you, you can introduce yourself and tell uh, people who you are, what you do, uh, and share some information about you. Absolutely, and many thanks for, for having me here. It's it's fantastic to be here in, in two cents. Um, a little bit about me. So I'm from Barcelona. Uh, I did civil engineering by education, but I've never worked uh, with a cap in my head. Um, from early on, I realized that what I wanted was basically to bring to life new realities or, or disruptive ideas or innovate and make uh, a real transformation in people's quality of life and, and society overall. So I, I started first as an advisor for a, corporate, um, for a big strategy consulting firm. I was working with several funds, several big corporates in really big corporate decisions such as M&A, such as uh, Dealtra. And then I moved towards... Uh, the more tech side, I became a corporate developer in one of the largest tech e-commerces here in Europe, which is eDreams. I was leading the, the hotel division for eDreams, which was more than 400,000 reservations a year. Uh, and now I'm, I'm studying the full-time MBA at, at ESE, just because I want to learn more about corporate development and nurture more of, of the knowledge that I have and try to, again, bring to life new realities, new ideas, help entrepreneurs to, to make that move and change from one, one thing that is a, and a, something that is a reality. Nice, nice, nice. So what I, what I really like about you, uh, uh, we talked a bit before this, is that you are looking to continuously develop yourself. And I think that's a really great trade. Uh, especially also with your next step you're going to take uh, in, in the nearby future, actually next week. Um, but tapping back to that corporate development, because that's also a little bit the thing we want to look at how companies develop themselves. Because that's not an easy thing when you're a traditional company, a steel company. Um, um, uh, I'm not sure if the insurance space is really innovative, but you see that a lot of companies are struggling with that. Uh, from my experience, we chose M&A, buying companies, buying those innovation labs. Uh, but you know a lot about this topic. What is your take on that? So, so corporations are, uh, are a strange animal. As you say, a lot of them tend to, tend to focus on M&A just because they don't have the, the bandwidth or sometimes the bravery of trying on themselves. So um, you can see this in a lot of corporations. For example, uh, you have some sales department that wants to innovate, wants to do th things, things differently, but they, they have a sales target. They have to reach 10 million, 20 million, whatever. And they don't want to screw their target. They want to reach the forecast, et cetera, because bonuses, bonuses are on the line. A lot of things are on the line. So they will not be as brave to try to, to, to change things. And basically, this is endangering and this is hampering the possibility of real change. For example, you can see that a lot of, for example, in my first part of my career when I was an advisor, we were going to corporates just because they wanted to do something different, but they needed the validation of someone coming from the outside. 
from someone saying like, yes, this can be a 10 million, uh, 10 million venture. This can be a hundred million venture, but they might have already the idea. They don't have the the people, the resources, or even like the the guts to pull this out. I like the guts part. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's true. It's true. You get it's it's continuously. You can see a lot of corporations that have great ideas. They have mm -hmm. great R and D departments, um, and they are basically lying on a folder in some desk, uh, and they don't touch it. And maybe there's the new the new Facebook in one of those folders, and and no one knows yeah. because there's no enough appetite or it's not prioritized to do this innovation. Yeah, I think I think the focus part and prioritization is really important one. Uh, what I remember from an, a program I did a few years ago, uh, we had an interesting program around digitalization, uh, uh, which was confused with digital transformation, by the way. There are two different things. Mm -hmm. And the challenges we had were that there were a lot of ideas and concepts from the people, but they were not heard. So actually nothing, nothing flowed through towards actually changing perceptions. And because of that, uh, people stopped doing that. People just stopped coming up with ideas because no one would pick it up anyway. And I think that's a big shame. It is, it is indeed. Um... When I when I moved into the more corporate side, so when I moved into tech, we're having a lot of workshops, a lot of ideation. Uh, mm -hmm. We call them uh, war rooms because basically it's like you get there 24 hours, 72 hours, whatever. Uh, you order some pizzas and you try to generate the new venture, and a lot of good ideas come out. But then it's it's the implementation is uh, do we have the financing behind that that we need? Um, do we have the buy-in for from the C level, for example, for the for the big executives to really pursue this idea? Is this in line with the current strategy? Uh, can we fit it in? For example, there's an interesting um, interesting element here that is the discovery-driven planning. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've heard about this. It's uh, it's basically running it backwards. Imagine that, for example, you have a corporation that is doing 100 million in revenue, mm -hmm. and and they want to increase by 10 percent. They want to do the the 110 million. So then you say like, okay, I need 10 million in revenue. What what kind of venture do I need? And then you build up on that. So you start like, okay, mm -hmm. I can start selling this new product. This new product is going to have this this conversion. Is going to have this uh, customer lifetime value, etc. Blah blah blah, and then you're able to say like, okay, realistically, can I make this 10 million extra that I need? If so, then you have a compelling argument uh, to your to your uh, big stakeholders, the executive, etc., to pursue it. But it's it's sometimes a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, this this is the interesting part because I was talking to someone last week uh, regarding the startup mentality. Uh, there, you're looking at the dynamics of um, your solution into market, the drive to make it better and better, the drive to, to put it into market, but often they forget the financial side. They forget, how do I fund myself? Uh, a startup is always dying, he said to me. Rain, that's my vision. 
every day I know I'm a dying company. So I have to do everything in my power and I need people in my organization who focus on not letting my company die, but focus also on making this dream work. From a corporate perspective, and this is actually a good point what you're putting in, it's a bit different. If we invest a million, we want to have 110, 120 back. Hmm. If we don't, why should we invest? And it goes back to a story uh, at a time I worked for a US-based company, and we had a problem with a client. The product they delivered, the first, the first version, did not suit the European market. So we got into trouble. It was a bit oversold. So we had to renegotiate with our, uh, our organization in the US. And I came, I talked to the chief product officer, and he said the same thing to me. He said, Rahim, you guys in Europe are so annoying. If I invest a million or a hundred million in the US, I get 200 million back. You guys are asking me to invest 50 million. And if I'm lucky, if I'm going to get the money back, yeah, maybe on the long term, but not within the next five years. So why should I invest? There's maybe a bit of a different level from being working for a corporate and working for, for a startup. But there are also other ways uh, of, of innovating. Uh, you mentioned things like um, innovation labs and partnerships. No, absolutely. Um, so the traditional way, it has been like, if I cannot do it organically, I can do it through M&A. And, and, uh, and you can see this a lot of times. You can see this in the, in the more traditional uh, big fish eating, eating the little fish. Uh, you see some some idea that it's that it's there, and you inorganically start by acquisition, and getting your your holding bigger and bigger. But the innovation labs, for example, is something that it's being now that it's much more and more interesting. Which is basically, if the corporate has the has the muscle, has the the resources, etc., and and the startup or the scale up has the attitude, why not combine them? So basically, yep. the idea is you, you try to find there's, uh, for example, the last the last two two companies that I've been uh, working with. What they do is basically intermediate with this with this idea. No, it's um, setting up with the corporations the right startups, and you can do a lot of different um, partnerships together. It can be either through a form of corporate venture capital, meaning. Um, the corporation is the one financing different uh, startups and financing different startups to get to the products that they are interested. Or you can do it, for example, uh, in a more venture building style, meaning the corporation is um, is helped by some other third party to generate new startups. Because what you're looking there is to have less res less resources in terms of people, but also like less constraints. Um, a blank canvas, basically, uh, mm -hmm. with the, with the with the muscle that you can get from a big corporation. So that is like the nice spot, and we're seeing. Um, I would say that the majority of the big tech firms, for example, so big tech, but also like uh, insurance companies, banks, all of those are doing it. They were first trying to have in-house R and D departments. And now they're saying like, no, no, I need to, to go big. I need to be investing big money because the change is now. 
Uh, just just uh, let me give you a, a quick figure. In Fortune 500 companies, this, this time we're seeing a, a huge trend that it's uh, going down the number of years that a Fortune 500 company is staying in the Fortune 500. So we're saying, yes, we have super big companies such as Apple, Alphabet, uh, Amazon, etc. But uh, the more and more companies are dying faster. And they are dying faster because innovation is, is, is eating up. It's, it's so much faster than what they can do. So the big corporations, and we're going to see a surge in, in corporate venturing and corporate development in more of this innovation style mm-hmm. because they need it. They, they need to be more, more like the startup itself. But that's a difficult one, again, because startup mentality is totally different. Um, corporates are trying that. Uh, from my experience, uh, one of the clients I, uh, I'm currently actually coaching is a corporate uh, uh, organization. Um, more corporate in, in thinking, actually, they're not so corporate because they're not that big, but they think they're really corporate, really still. And, and translating that into more startup thinking in where do I really invest? There's a lot of fear, and maybe it's also the COVID currently, the situation in the market, and that's also, of course, playing. But there's a lot of fear of taking an educated risk or a non-educated risk in the market. And I'm wondering, actually, what that will mean in, in the months to come. Uh, we see the market picking up. Uh, I hope that the mentality will be picking up. But the market itself has a lot of fear. Within our network of executives, uh, I think we now have 2,800 executives linked in the Barcelona region, about four or 500 people linked. Uh, when we talk together about what's happening within organizations, I see a lot of fear, a lot of fear of making the wrong choice, huh? a lot of, or lost a lot of money. But that fear, um, if we don't overcome that fear, we're not going to get anywhere. What would be your suggestion if, if you if you if you come amongst uh, uh, one of the people in our network and they are struggling with where do I really invest? What are the actions they, for instance, could do to build up that mindset, to build up that that confidence, to actually start making choices? That is that is a complicated one, but but let me let me try to to come up with with a couple a couple ideas here. Um, First one, yes, it's a it's a moment of, of fear. No one, no one really. Well, now now we're seeing much more the 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 light at the end of the tunnel. But still, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in which kind of sectors are gonna be booming, which kind of sectors uh, are gonna be falling behind. Um, so there has to be a lot of still a lot of research. I, I'm I'm much more inclined. That, uh, for example, in in B two B, we're going to be seeing much faster, uh, much faster recovery, and we're going to be much, much faster, more easily in in shape like we were back in t- uh, twenty nineteen. Some, for example, I've been looking at B two B software companies. Those ones are again back in shape. But what I would say is now is the perfect time to look inward and think like, where do I want my company to be in five years time? Where do I want my company to be in 10 years time? And what is the exact path that I need to follow? And it, 
and and for example, it might not be MA. It might not be purely thinking on acquiring mm, mm, companies that might have had a worse time during the pandemic. Because there's a there's a, a lot of the bullish mentality of um, a winner takes it all. And this is not always the case. Maybe it's not the right move to think like I can eat some of my competitors just because uh, they might have had a, a worse time in pandemic because maybe they're not a resilient company or maybe it's it's not the right uh, or it's not going to be priced at the right at the right uh, price. So what I would strongly suggest is go to the drawing board, think on what do you want to be in 10 years time and just write the roadmap. Think what kind of products are you going to be launching even even more philosophically, with which kind of company do I want to be? What kind of customers uh, do I want to have? And and what what is the added value that that I'm bringing to to the society overall? No, I don't know if this is too too broad. No, I I, I actually like it. I actually like it. Uh, uh, some of these wordings I, I use within my clients because uh, we are missing the we are not looking forward. We are looking too much backwards. And what I like about your answer is, um, look, you cannot envision where you're going to be in 10 years, but you can envision who you want to be. Hmm. This is a takeaway I'm going to take from your from this part is, yes, do I, do I know I'm going to be a 100 million company in 10 years? Is that my ambition? Yeah. Probably if that's your ambition, you're not going to make it yeah, because oh. it's a financial gain. But if you define in who you want to be as a company, uh, it's a bit of a sidestep towards towards what you see lately is um, organizations need to have the right values across the organization and build those values to enable innovation, to enable growth, to enable creative thinking and, and moving forward. It also requires investment because maybe you don't have the people or maybe you can transform the people towards that direction. What does that mean in the next five years? What does it mean for your hiring policy? What does it mean for um, your, 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 your structure of your organization? Is it still the right one? And that's why I like what you're saying around who do you actually want to be as a company? Not how much money you want to earn as a company, but who do you want to be as a company? What, what, what is the legacy you want to leave behind as a company or as a person within the company to get, uh, to get moving forward? So I really like the answer. I really like the answer. Um, we moved to Barcelona, I think about a year and a half ago, just before uh, we had the first lockdowns here in Spain. Mm. And one thing I noticed in, the, in my sabbatical period was the, the high volume of venture capitalists uh, building up startups where you could join and be the executive and build a fintech company or this company and that company. It was actually a bit of a low-key uh, towards the end of the year, but I see a lot of uh, uh, advertisements popping up with those venture capitalists. If you look at a corporation, because we're now talking about an ex-corporation and a corporation, how could those venture capitalists support them? I, didn't, I think we didn't completely touch this topic in the beginning, but how would they be able to um, get that connection, maybe learn from them, maybe partner with them, what, where where would be the synergies between, let's say, a corporate versus a venture capitalist, and how can they find synergies towards the future? 
because maybe we could have a call to action on that topic to get those 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 guys together. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, when you think about it, there's a lot of movement. For example, in, in Barcelona, in in the venture capitalist uh, arena, there's a lot of small funds, a, a lot of people trying to um, try to generate the the next unicorn. Um, but it's super interesting. For example, let me let me give you uh, an example. I was uh, some time ago. Uh, talking with with a venture capitalist that that had been investing in Verse, which is a payment uh, payment peer to peer company, and I was asking why is um, CaixaBank or any national bank not simply doing this, and they were saying like they can't, and I was like okay, they they clearly can uh, because it, it, it's not rocket science, and I was trying to push him there and he was mm -hmm. like no no really they, they cannot they have uh sometimes these these new startups are touching some niche markets some segments that are not attainable by or not reachable by by the big corporations maybe it's because uh at the start margins are too thin maybe mm -hmm. it's because uh customer acquisition is too high etc but they they are touching different segments, and I was like, okay, so so what is the end game? Is is it the end game, for example, for a company like Verse to be acquired by by some bank? And he and he said it might be. So so there's clearly a link between big corporations and, and venture capitalists. Venture capitalists are, are going to be the ones uh, nurturing and making the first progression of some of the early stage uh, ventures, early stage startups. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be seeing how corporations can can either acquire them or maybe they have already acted from the very, from the very first time. We're seeing more and more uh, limited partners, which are the, uh, the mm -hmm. people financing uh, the funds of the, of the venture capitals, um, being big corporations, not only institutional investors such as big insurance companies or, mm -hmm. or hedge funds, etc. But we are seeing big corporations because they want to have stakes on the on the startups. So the connection is going to be more and more and more. Corporate venture capital, it's here to stay. And corporations should be really thinking uh, not in not 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 as a as a threat, not like this startup is gonna eat my meal. But like, how can I connect early on with these guys so we can generate a better product, we can generate a better uh, product market fit and, and go to market, et cetera, so we can foster together. So I think that I would really, really recommend uh, early, early combination or, or mm -hmm. really merge from the beginning. And, and we're seeing this and, and it's continuing. And it's going to be like this for for quite a long time, I think. Oh. Well, I think it's really positive. I think that uh, the 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 concept we have as DNS co-creative platform, where we co-create and co-work and, and connect people, uh, that's something uh, we see uh, we you, you see all over the place. Um, it's I think for a lot of people it can be difficult to find the right partner and the right right connections because there are so many good ones, but there are also so many bad ones to connect with. Yeah, 
So um, I want to I wanna, uh, 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 end up the podcast looking also a bit at the time. Um, you have such an amazing knowledge on the topic of corporate development, on M&As, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I'm sure you, you're able and you're willing to share your knowledge with others. Uh, connecting to our DNA network. If people really want to connect with you, if they have questions, if they want to partner with you, how do they how do they get in touch with you besides contacting us but for instance directly um, i would be more than happy to to help any any single person either from the corporate side or uh, an entrepreneur that is trying to to get his product or his idea to the market and and, and as i said my my motto here is um i would say that i picture myself as a, as a car engine I like putting all the pieces together and making like uh, making the car go and explore like unpaved roads. So anyone that is interested in in any of these topics and need any help can contact me through through my LinkedIn. Uh, we can give them my my email, which is ignazi.torget@ds.net. Um, anything, I'm more than happy to help. Perfect group. Hey Ignazi, thank you so much for doing this with us. Uh, this was a really excellent co-creation. I really loved uh, the dynamic between us, but also the dynamic of the topic. Uh, really, really good. Uh, I'm going to invite you uh, after the summer in uh, when we can do the real events on site. I think you are really someone who can add value and are adding value towards the community. So my thank you for that, uh, for joining this podcast and co-hosting that with me. Many thanks.